Alrighty, I have returned us after some perfunctory, stupid, not having, well, I actually had us muted. So, um, first off, welcome Dennis again, uh, while we get this shit rolling and get this shit working. And I had asked you while we were muted about, um, about your, you used to give notes, um, to local, um, at local open mics or whatnot in the Salt Lake area. And I kind of get the impression from Chuck as well, because I think Chuck even still has one of the notes that you gave him from years ago. Um, double check with him. I don't think he'll lie to you about it. But I, I see, I saw on my roast, especially as, been, as I've been editing uh, the roast in October of myself before I moved back to Florida, how the community kind of has like this protectiveness around like, I don't know, this this sweetness that you have as a person. Um, so people... Like, could you could you tell me about the notes that le the notes that you used to give or something like that? Like, what were those? Because I I think I do something like that, um, but maybe a little different. So I wanted to hear what your take was on like what you used to do. Yeah. Uh, so back in uh, Alliance Theater used to be at Athena Beans open mm -hmm. mic, and after everyone set like everyone set, I would give them a note. Positive feedback, uh, anything positive. Sometimes it's a short note, sometimes a really long note. Mm -hmm. uh, musicians, poets, comedians all got something. Uh, I think musicians probably appreciate it the most because you don't get a lot of feedback on like music or poetry. Mm -hmm. um, and it all started like, I had meant to go on open mics on Monday, but like I never put the time to go forward. And like first night I was there, something in me is just like, I should write this person a note. Mm -hmm. uh, and I gave notes out to people and like, I was like, I should give everyone a note. So I like also had to retroactively like give people notes being like, Hey, this is what I appreciate about your set or like your poem or yeah. your song. And uh, people really liked it. Uh, musicians. I know, some of them have been like, hey, those really made a difference to me, and I still have those notes, or like, I keep it in my guitar case, and I was like, whoa, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's really cool, actually. Um, but it's like, I hated as a kid, people would always be like, you did a good job. It's like, cool, what did you like? Give me something specific, and like, they never yeah, exactly. would. exactly. Like, give me, more, give me more than just good, bad, or ugly, and yeah, I get that. Yeah, so it's just like, golden rule, this is what I want for others. And it's very easy to give uh, for me. Yeah. No, I, I get that because I, um, I get that. Um, but I just, I, well, I understand that. And I really do kind of appreciate that kind of wholesomeness, um, especially giving feedback to a creative of, of any kind. Um, now, did you, now, what did actually, what prompted you? Did you stop doing that at some point? Um, I did. Um, uh... There's a lot of reasons, but it's like, it was a lot of work, uh, cause I pretty much would go through like a whole sticky note of like 30 ish or like mm -hmm. full, but it's like, it's about 30 ish people you'd write for. Yeah. Like, and in, like in you can't line. talk to anyone. You can't socialize. Yeah. You can't, you can't even like enjoy people's sets. Cause you're just like, okay, what did I like? Like I have to write something about it. Yeah. Um, and it like kind of took a toll, but it's also like, is this an unhealthy pattern of like. I need to always be giving or like, I need to like prove myself's worth in a way. 
And it's like, what happens if I don't give out notes? And it's like, oh, nothing. It's like, people still appreciate them. Like, I'll yeah. still give notes out occasionally, mm-hmm. usually around my birthday and Christmas. Right. Like, halfway through the year in June and then Christmas time. It just depends. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes I'll do it again. And, like, side tangent. Like, for my birthday, I like to do nice things for other people. I don't like the American culture where it's like, it's all about me. Praise me for my birthday. It's like, you were born, man. Like, no one cares, ultimately. If you want something cool to happen, like, you got to plan that shit. Yeah, you got to make it happen. You got to make that stuff happen. Um, yeah, I get and it's like, I, I definitely get that one because yeah. I, I, I took um, an adopted mother figure of mine's Christmas party pattern. Um, she used to, I believe she used to or still does. I don't think she did it this year, but... Basically, she used to do a big Christmas party at the first Saturday of every December. And so through a few years of trial and error, because my birthday is October 21st, um, and then Halloween is like October 31st, I eventually started doing the first Saturday of October for this big annual, as I called it, just the annual. Um, And what that meant is that I put together like a 100 guest list, coordinated potluck, and got to sort of create this you know, tradition for a few years when I was living here in Florida before I moved out to Utah. And it was pretty great. Um, It also meant that when it came to my birthday day, I didn't have to worry about anyone or anything. And I remember one of those birthdays where I just sat down in my living room on my couch, you know, two, three weeks since the annual, which was much more about the community thing that I wanted to have for friends that I would only see even once a year with the annual itself. Um, but I got to sit down on my couch on my birthday with a glass of milk, a 20 wing of, 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 um, Buffalo blue cheese wings, um, and just watch something on TV for like an hour. Just have like, that was perfectly fine for me for my birthday. I didn't need no cake. I didn't need no festivity. I was like, no, I get to have my day. What does my day look like? Fat and lazy, fat and lazy. Like this, this will do just fine. (laughs) So I think you don't need a lot. No, no, I don't think it does either. I, I do relate a bit to, because I, I, how do I think about this? I started thinking about how to do the feedback stuff before I was able to get it, before I broke into the Salt Lake comedy scene in regards to at least how I overcame my mental barriers and got into the Salt Lake scene um, and just started just doing open mics at all. Um, but I always would be listening to sets and I'd be hearing the opportunities inside of people's jokes um, or hear like they had a good premise, but their ability to like sort of transition from premise and set up to like punch would be lacking. And, and, and so I had, I had at least one, a few times where I would write something out as it came to me listening. Like a, I have one, one clear story where, uh, Chuck Fury has that sort of that herpes joke, um, that I know he's been shopping around for a while. And, I sort of watched that one time when he was uh, bringing it, bring, running it at the Midway open mic, at Amanda's open mic, and he, he told the joke as he had developed it so far, and I kind of gave him the note of just like, I don't know what this, this detail is inside of the joke that is like contextually relevant for like everyone else that, do, that isn't from like your generation of knowing like this medication or these things to inform it, so like, here's like my feedback is like, it's a great premise. It's a great joke. The punchline should hit harder, but something about like not knowing this, this, this item, this medication that you're naming, 
throws off the ability for like the joke to just like land even with just like an, an ignorant audience let's say which i pretty much was um so that's what i end up thinking about in terms of a similar note giving because i do my i do my joke writing for just having like a simple open mic set list like on a notepad but that means i've got a thick notepad and so sometimes people will run like good jokes i'm just like here's the and part here's like the bonus thing i think about inside of like what you're doing it's like here it is folded you either throw this away is like come up kind of my mindset either you throw this away because you want to keep stay pure to your craft or here's like perhaps a punch up opportunity from some random newbie you know that's excited to like help make good jokes so that was that that was my my little bit at the at the sort of fucking time so um I know you gave me a small list of things that was kind of like a part of your life set. So it's it's kind of how it's kind of how you want to introduce your set. Part of what I part of what's given this podcast like new life um, is having a focus inside of the Salt Lake comedy scene, where I get, as per my narrative, I get to say like I was sort of born there in terms of whatever I do with a comedy career, and then I've got who knows the rest of my life here in Orlando, Florida. Um, but I give a lot to meeting you, Chuck Fury, Josh Martin, um, Amanda and such, and really kind of overcoming my fears and then like making even just good acquaintances, um, out there in Salt Lake. So, um, part of this is to sort of platform like the community of Salt Lake and comics that I like or enjoyed or comics that, you know, you, you could, you could, um, recommend and so on just to give them like, here's, you know, because because there's a version of this, like you get you'll get a copy of this entire podcast afterwards for whatever Perfect. for whatever marketing you want to do. Because um, I'll have this probably published as soon as possible. I don't have a schedule to keep with the, how I run the YouTube channel. Um, hmm. But much like what I did with like the Halloween roast, like all the raw footage will be made available on like a Google Drive link or whatever. And then you've got if I've given you like thir- if if it's over thirty days, I it, it, you may have run out of time or have to hit me up again if you want the copy again because life I'm- gets busy. But and I'm not paying for all of the all of the channels that I have to have a hundred gigs of space to hold up all this raw footage. But yeah, yeah. it's also like if you want this to like run marketing and promotion for your for your brand and for your you know your career, like here's the raw footage. Run with it. I I kind of like don't care. Like you know give give basic attribution or whatnot and then we can sort out life from there you know sounds great yeah so um we could start between just what's your life like growing up because it sounds like you grew up in utah like it's one of the notes you had is that you were in the mormon church or still are in the mormon church do you want to sort of break that down for me and then also for like all of the i guess laymen that are nominally aware of the mormon church and like what your at least experience with it was uh, yeah, uh, so I was actually raised in Maryland, like the blast radius of D.C. Oh, okay. Uh, so, like, the Utah Mormonism is very different from what I grew up with. Right. Um, also, blast radius is a very dark way to describe D.C., but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if D.C. got nuked, I wouldn't, I, I'm gone as well, so. Right. Fair, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, just the way it is. Um so yeah, Mormonism, grew up Mormon, I'm the youngest of five boys. Um, it's been very weird. So I got, I did the mission thing. It's like, I went on a LDS mission for two years. Right. And that's like where I would say I became radicalized. Like as uh, a Mormon, you Mar- became radicalized? 
Yeah, and like when I say radicalize, it's like at like halfway through my mission, I was just hating it because it's awful. You're just knocking doors all day for like a multi-billionaire corporation that doesn't give a shit about you. Right. And like in theory, they're trying to do good, uh, but like the people in it are trying to do good. The corporation itself, not necessarily. Uh, like. You learn about, like, conversion camps where they try to make gay people, like, straight. Right. And, like, all the awful little stuff they did at the BYU campuses. Uh, Right. Sexism, racism. It's just, like, a white patriarchal white supremacy church. And, like, they're trying to rebrand that now, but it doesn't matter. Uh, It's just, like, the emotional abuse... Mm-hmm. Of, like, gaslighting yourself of, like, I'm not good enough. If I have, like, any sexual urge, I'm going right. to hell, and I can't act on it. And it's, like, as a kid, where, you're like, I don't know what to do with this. And, like, your parents won't talk to you about it. Or, like, not just your parents, but, like, people in general mm-hmm. don't talk about, like, sexual feelings much. Uh, and, like, when they do, it's just, like, whoa, this is out of left field. I am uncomfortable because... It's never been talked about. Ever so talked about this. Yeah, not even the adults have ever had those conversations, so they can't even begin to have the conversations with you as a kid. Yeah, a and so anything. it's just like weirdness, and also like toxic perfectionism, right? Of just like you're never good enough, and if I don't do it right the first time, why bother? And uh, like, I think one thing for me, my mom is a very positive person, like to the point of like toxic perfectionism, right? Of just like. There's always good things in the world. You just need to look for it. And just like, yeah, but I'm having a really crappy day, and that's not really helping. It's like, it doesn't help. But I, I guess like, the classic I, I feel like the movie Inside yeah. Out, where they had all those emotions and depression was allowed to exist by the end of the movie. It's like, no, you need yeah. you need your balance. You can't be happy. Yeah, I, think I really like that movie Like yeah. for that reason. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, you, you have to feel your feelings. Uh, the Body Keeps the Score is a really good book on that, of just, like, mm. you do have a hard time. If you don't let your emotions out, like, they will show up in other ways, and usually not in the way you want. Right. Um, okay. So I wanted to actually sort of... So um, I have two things I want to go on. One, you said it was kind of weird, and that was one of the first descriptions that you gave for it, but I wasn't sure, were you referring to, like, what it was in early life? Um, with what made it weird before you went on the mission trip? Or are you talking about all the other things you just talked about with like the toxic perfect- perfectionism and inability to have like adult conversations about sex and so on? Uh, so the weirdness, sorry, I didn't finish that story. I go on a lot of tangents. Okay. okay, go for it. Finish that story. Um, we'll start with the mission. Radicalized. Halfway through my mission, one of my companions talk, like, showed me a talk called Quick to Observe by Elder Bednar. Uh, and in it, he talks about, like, how you can have the spirit of discernment and, like, gifts of prophecy. Pretty much you can have spiritual gifts. Right. Which, like, from my perspective at the time, that meant I could have superpowers and, like, read people's minds. Right. Like, which, is, which would be pretty great. <laughs> yeah, which is great. And, like, that's where I became radicalized. Like, yeah, I want to, like, follow all the mission rules. Like, mm-hmm. I just uh, want to be more diligent in, like, following all that stuff. If you're diligent like, enough, yeah, if you're diligent enough, you'll become an X-Men. Yeah, pretty much. And, like, I could read people's minds, and it's, like, I remember one time, like, and I didn't think about it. Someone else told me, like, so you pretty much believe you could have superpowers of, like, reading minds. And I was, like, yeah, I guess I could. And it's just, like, 
that is where I became radicalized. Of just like, was that just the superpower you re- was that the Scientology? Super- was that the superpower you just really wish you had? Like, I think we all yeah. have like the superpower we all wanted between flying or laser vision and things like that. Um, but you wanted to read minds. Like, did you just not understand people, so you wanted to be able to read their mind, or did you just want to? Where, where are you going with that? No. So like. In the talk, quick to observe, it lays out like the spiritual gifts you can have, and like reading minds is one of them. Oh, it's just so, like there. I wouldn't like be able to fly because like you could only have spiritual gifts if it's in God's will, right? Um, and I no longer believe in God, so it's like, well, if I'm good enough, then like God will let me read people's minds so I can help Him, and like I can be a really good missionary and like just right. have that awesome power and like be such a good person and use it for good. But it's like, it is weird saying it out loud. And I am like, yeah, but that's like, honestly what I believed. It was just like, yeah, I could read people's minds and it'd be great. Yeah. And, uh, help them like discern what they would need and be like, this is how the gospel would apply to your life. Mm-hmm. This is what you, I could give specific messages of the gospel to them. Right. Instead of just knocking doors all day. Yeah, I end up thinking about just having Socratic dialogue with people because that's currently what I'm really obsessed with is talking to people in a line of questioning to actually unravel, help them unravel their brain and why they believe what they believe. And I think that's like the closest you can get to like reading someone's mind, but it is much more of just having a que- a conversation where you're asking more questions than giving answers. Um, so, yeah. Alrighty. So, so okay. So you, you grew up in the Maryland side of the world. And you do your mission trip sort of out of Maryland. Into, where were you? Were you in? I went to St. Louis, Missouri, okay. uh, around the time of Ferguson riots. Oh, fun! Oh, wow! Like, how old are you? How old are you right now? I am twenty nine. Okay. So yeah, like eight years ago. Yeah, I guess that would that. I, I, yeah. I, I, it's all blurred together. All that timeline with all that crazy political cultural crap. But yeah, fourteen to sixteen, two thousand fourteen and sixteen is when I did my mission. Okay, okay, okay. I have a few things that happened in my life then. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah. So, okay, so you grow up in Maryland, you go on your mission trip to St. Louis, and sort of run that round of experience for those two years, and at what point, because then do you go back home to Maryland and then move out to Utah? When was that transition sort of occurring? Uh, yeah, so shortly after I got home from my mission, uh, I went to BYU-Idaho for school, uh it is a different place um (laughs) is that when you started getting the version of mormonism that's much more utah like and has its very distinct flavor compared to east coast mormonism as you were describing it yeah it's like people are like casually racist like not intentionally just like you're like very well spoken for like a black person or like very well spoken for an african or like oh i didn't know they had uh this kind of stuff in I didn't know they had, like, computers in Africa or where you're from. Like, things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, like, I didn't see a lot of it because, A, there's not a lot of, like, diversity at BYU-Idaho. Right. Like, there's one or two instances I'm, like, whoa, like, okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's kind of offensive, but whatever. Right. Um. And, like, I was very diligent because I was trying to get those superpowers. I'd read my scriptures every day for, like, an hour, pray, 
do all that good stuff, go to the temple like once a week or once a, yeah, once a week when I first got back. And uh, they really emphasize getting married right after the mission. Uh, so I set like goals to go on a date like every week. It didn't matter who, just like check in a box. Right. And uh, that was bad times for probably a lot of women. And I'm like, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> are, you, are you a bad date or what? Like, or were you just so dry of a, of a personality because you were treating it like work or what? Like what, um, made, what, made, what, made, what made you as, as Mormon Dennis such a horrible dater? Because you're, you're framing it that way. And I, I, I have. And hard... that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's more of like, so I just like, I'm awkwardly outgoing is how I describe it. So nothing, it's like, hey, so, so, so nothing's changed. Nothing's changed in that. Yeah, way. yeah, pretty much. Like, honest <laughs> to God. Um, like, I'm still awkwardly outgoing. I've just, like, contained it a little better or, like, know how to work with it instead of against it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's like, hey, you're attractive. You want to go on a date? It's like, I'm trying to get this box done. Or, like, I just need to go on a date once a week. And that's how and you at least, like, that's at least how you had it in your head. It's like, let me get this box done. Let me go have a date. And that, and so you... I would like to think you would not explain, like, I need to check a box, would you, and you're up track. Yeah, I wouldn't say that part. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, but it's like, in my head, that's pretty much what I was thinking, and it's just like, I don't really know this person, and I don't know if I care to, also I have homework, and I'm like, this probably isn't great for anyone. So, and were you thinking that during the dates, or like? As, as you were going between dates? Because I'm very curious, like, were you just going to movies or going to have meals or coffee with these girls, but not really being able to, like... I didn't do coffee, because Mormon... Uh, oh, yeah, no, no caffeine. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, they can do... Oh, that's another weird thing. Uh, in Mormonism, like, some people are like, caffeine's okay, but coffee isn't. Or, like, black tea is not okay, or green tea. Uh, but, like, drinking as much Coke as you want is okay. Uh, or Mountain Dew. My dad was a big fan. Um, but back to your other question. Uh, yeah. It's like, usually just do get food because everyone needs to eat. Um, at one point, uh, I just try to get schedule as many dates in one day. So like an hour and a half apart or like two hours. Right. We'd go to my apartment I'd have ice cream cones and, like, a bucket of ice cream, do some scoops, and, like, just walk around the park. That's actually feel- super, like, those logistical elements, that's actually, like, super sweet. Like, yeah, that's, that's actually, like, like, mint. Yeah, go ahead. Like, save money, go on a walk, it's, like, do a lap or two or however many you want, if it's going well. Like, yeah. I right, we'll see you later, or we won't. Um, and it's just, like, Everyone, and you get ice cream, so yeah. At least you got something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just a very awkward dude, and just like, why am I doing this? I don't really care, and uh, I don't know if I'm like, hmm. Like, and like, none of those dates really stuck out to you, did they? Yeah. Um. And I wasn't really sure what. So I was just doing the dates to get the dates, and I wasn't, like, really sure what was the end goal. It's, like, I didn't really know if I wanted to get married or not. Right. And, like, in Mormonism, you can't have sex if you're not married. So it's, like, 
uh, it's like, of course I wanted sex, but it's like, I didn't want, or I wasn't sure, like, I don't know if I want kids or like, at one point I was like, yeah, I want kids, but I was just like, I'm not sure how to do like a healthy relationship. Right. Like, did you not feel like your parents gave you a good model for a healthy relationship or were you just, did you feel like you were just out in the, out in the water without even a life raft or swim trunks? Like, um, I don't know. It's like my dad will brag about how good of a relationship he has, but it's like my mom is very codependent and like just babies him and he's not even aware of that. So it's oh. very one-sided. Mm. And so when I did get married, uh, I was pretty much like my mom in that relationship. I was just like, it's very one-sided. It's like I'm doing all the work. Uh, right. And like whoever cares the less in a relationship controls it. And like, it's Yeah. It's like a gaslighty thing in a way. Mm -hmm. a manipulative piece there. Okay. So now did now did this ice cream walking around the park strategy like actually get you into a marriage while you were at BYU Idaho? Or how did so okay, so you're you're kind of going through the dating. I'm not really sure. I had a rough time getting to a second date or wanting to go to on a second date with people. Was that more you or more them? Like, I feel like Me. there was, yeah, like, you just were like, never interested. a lot of cool people. It's just, like, I'm just, like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just good. Were you just, like, probably, it's a weird way to phrase it, but, like, were you happily single at that time, or were you just without clear no. aim to progress into a real relationship? Like, because I think you've said it, but you didn't know how to have a relationship, so you didn't even know how to, like, identify the factors that would say i like this person to do the second date like they can be cute all day they can be sexy attractive whatever variant they that sprouts out of them but you just had no ability to even figure out like what did, did am i guessing that right you had no metrics with which to identify like i'd like a second date with this person like progress here this way somehow like it's something i still think about um uh, and like Still can't get it past the first date or want to oftentimes. And I think uh, part of it, not all of it, is like I'm fear of success. Like on the mission, I love knocking doors because uh, most people are like not interested. And it's like, cool, then you go on. But when someone's like, yeah, I'm interested, let's hear what you have to say. I'm like, uh, okay. Uh, oh, I've never actually taught oh, a my. lesson before. <laughs> you're the anti salesman. Like, yeah, <laughs> you, you are prepared for no's over and over again. But the moment you get a yes, like, oh, no, I might make money today. Like, like, because, uh, like, you're just there for the two years, no matter what. Yeah, it doesn't like, matter if I get 50 baptisms in a week or which would never happen, by the way. Yeah, for me, at least. Um, I'm not that charismatic, uh, but it's like, it doesn't matter. You're still here for the two years and uh, teaching a lesson school and all, but it's like, on the mission at least, it's like 90% of the time I didn't believe in what I was saying. And it's like, at least for the first half. But like, even then, it's like, I don't really know anything about tithing because I'm like 20 and I've paid yeah. like maybe $50 or something. Right. So, and, and but now remind me, you said you got radicalized while you were on this mission trip. Yeah. Yeah. So and that was in the second half, the second year of the mission trip. Like something just captivated you, like the superpower offer captivated you, and had you just buy yeah. into the whole thing. 
Yeah, so, okay. the superpowers. Mind reading turns, and so did you start selling the religion more fervently, or with any amount of fervor after that, or were you still just a happily receiving a nose kind of salesman? I was still more con. I was more confident, but okay. I was still like, I felt weird testifying of things that I wasn't sure about, like. Um, I'm like, I don't know what the benefits of this are because I don't know anything else. So, like, this person who's struggling with, I don't know, like, paying tithing, mm-hmm. probably the most common. It's like... Okay, uh, so could you... Could you? I, I feel like I want to make sure I have this clear. So you said paying yeah. tithing? So tithing is 10% of all your income. Right, yeah. Okay, yeah, I know. I, I remember that for what traditional tithing is. Why do you say... Or are you saying paying tithing or pain with an N? Like, uh, like, like is there types P-A-Y-N-I-N-G. Of... Okay, paying tithing. Like giving it to the church. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. I thought there was a weird difference there. I missed No, that. no, so, you're good. So they were struggling with tithing, but you didn't know how to relate to that. So your ability to, like... That you Justify. Could... Yeah. like, yes, this will change your life. Yeah. And, like, I don't have an example in my life where, like, tithing helped me. And it's like, and I still don't. Right. Um, Are you an evidence-based thinker, like kind of in self-reflecting at this age after everything? Yeah, um, it's like I kind of just return to my roots when I think about it. Like I remember as a kid, uh, around ten to thirteen-ish, mm-hmm. I remember being like, "I don't really believe in God," and like I told my brother, and he told my parents, and I got in trouble, and I was just like, "Fine, I guess I'll believe in God." Like this is some bullshit. Uh, (laughs) fine i'll believe like and i was like finding trying to think of reasons why because like i remember there was one smart dude in my ward and i like my congregation Uh and i was like well he believes and i don't think he's stupid so like maybe it's true i don't know and uh i was just like pacified and like i saw church growing up as like a very social thing like to hang out with your friends yeah, and like yeah, yeah, there's some dude talking about like Jesus or whatever. But I don't care. It's like I'm here to chill with my bros, right. the homies. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it's like church was not important, but the social gathering was. Yeah. Which is also like something that kind of contributed to uh, me leaving and or like the figuring out like the weird culture of Utah. Or like the West. Okay, so let's let's do this. Let's still keep it on the timeline. So you did you did two years. You went out to BYU, Idaho. You were dating, but you didn't really you didn't get your marriage there, is what you said so far. Um, now, did you complete all of your studies? Like, did you get your bachelor's or associates or whatever from BYU, Idaho? Is that where you got de-radicalized and like broke away? Like, what? No. What sort of um, happened at BYU, Idaho, as a whole? So it's like my experience at BYU Idaho was great. Like mm-hmm. I love. It's like sometimes when I go back to the campus, I'm just like I love this place because I did have a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I could never go back. Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of reasons, but like, uh, I felt like a good community because it's big enough. You can explore options, but small enough that you can have, like, good connections with your community or ward. Mm-hmm. Or small enough to have a good community and ward, but big enough to, like, explore other people or options. Yeah, like, there's was, there was several there's several communities inside of there, pretty much. Like, yeah. you know. 
Okay, so then, um, so yeah, then what? I, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, uh, so I met my wife like my last semester at BYU Idaho. Okay, she had been dating some really cute tall dude. I think his name was Tim. Um, and she was attractive. But I was like, oh, she has a boyfriend. And, like, in my mind, it's just, like, a switch of, like, boyfriend, no boyfriend. So like, yeah, yeah. Boyfriend, don't go for it. But, like, she went for a hike one time, and my roommate snored really, really loud. Like, so loud, like, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and just be like, I can't go back to sleep. So I'd just, like, go to the rec center and go swimming. Or then go shopping or something. So I bought, like, a Gatorade, a Fruit Punch Gatorade and left her on her doorstep that said... Uh, are you, how oh, is it? It's like, are you a fruit punch? No. Yeah. It's like, are you a fruit punch? Cause you're a knockout and it's very cute and cheesy. And I did a lot of cute, cheesy things while dating. Uh, but I'm like, maybe that's a little strong on the first date, but whatever. Well, and were you and doing I, this with her before, like, did you become aware that she broke up with him or were you just like shooting a shot while that switch was in the off position? So leaving that gay raid was not leave, shooting a shot. That was just like that's just you being silly. Yeah, like in, a wholesome, like, in a wholesome, jokey this is way. Funny, right? Yeah, I just thought it was funny. Um, right. I'm like, yeah, they'll probably appreciate it. Um, because I did use that joke a few times on people because it's, it's a great joke. It's wholesome. Yeah. Um. And then she's like, I knew at that point that I was like, oh, I am attracted to this dude. And her, her boyfriend was going to BYU Provo in Utah. Mm-hmm. It's like a four-hour commute. And so she eventually broke, they eventually broke up. And my brother was getting married. And at some point, I was like, I should ask her out. And then I did, and she's just like, yeah, let's do it. And... It progressed, and, like, because I was very, very Mormon, I was like, we're not going to kiss for, like, a month. Right. Or, like, be physical at all. Which, again... Um... But, uh, yeah. Did that. And... So I was leaving the semester if I passed all my classes, which I barely did. Right. Um... And I had internships lined up in Utah... So I went out Utah after the semester, but like before I left, she's like, uh, you're not going to get anything better out there. So we managed to propose. And like, she was kind of weirdly forceful about it. And uh, yeah, that's a really forceful line. Cause I feel like you, you could be paraphrasing that term. Like, look, I'm a big deal. I am paraphrasing. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, but like, like, still like the forcefulness is kind of coming through in the storytelling a little bit here. Like, so she's like, marry me. Um, yeah, um, and it's like, I didn't want to get married to her, um, and like... How long were you all dating at this point? Because you said you met her, you, you started dating her, meeting her pretty much in the last semester, the last, what is that, four months of... Yeah, or of, so, of, for like of, three-ish. Yeah, 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 it's... Because we're on tri-semesters in BYUI. Okay, so yeah, it'd be like three months or less. Um, yep. So... Oh yeah, you've been then you've been dating for less than half a year. You're and then you're about to graduate, right? And oh, then so yeah. Or are you, or, 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 or were you graduating? Were, were you just transferring down to Provo? Uh, 
I wasn't transferring. I was going to do internships. I need my internships to graduate. Right, right. Um, so this is part of the weird Mormon culture of, like, since you can't have sex before marriage, you have to get married to have sex. And, like, so, like, a three-month engagement or, like, three months and you're engaged or getting married mm-hmm. within eight months is pretty common. Inside of the guess Mormon. guess what else is common? Divorce. <laughs> 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 because of that it's like they're very correlated unsurprisingly right um so it's just uh yeah that's like the mo and she's just like i was gonna marry the tim dude but like probably the same time amount of time maybe knew him longer i don't know mm-hmm. um so yeah she used to pretty much like get married or else and or like at the time I didn't know how to say no to people, but I didn't want it. I didn't want to go through with it. And like looking at my journal, I've kept a journal for like nine ish years, eight years. Nice. Since 2014. So yeah, 10 years almost. Yeah. Um, I was just like, I don't really feel good about this marriage. And like, even when we were printing, uh, wedding invitations, I, my brother made them for me, which is very nice. And I was like, hey, like, hold off on printing those because I'm not sure if I want to do this. And I, I had many talks with like, hey, I'm not really sure if I want to do this. But and like, she'd get, what? Were you just not listened to or, or what? How do, you, how do you actually sort of feel or feel that was sort of framed? Because it sounds like you voiced it a few times, but. Yes. Um, like, I did voice it and like, it was never met with felt like I was listened to or it was like it'll be fine don't worry about it brushed off by everyone uh mostly her because that's um I think I only really voiced it to her maybe one or two of my brothers mm-hmm. and they're just like yeah man kind of quick and I was just like yeah yeah I don't know what to do oh, okay uh so it's like my main like consulting the poison to be like, hey, are you poison? It's like, no, no, man, we're cool. Oh gosh. Um, uh, <laughs> no, no, this arsenic, totally good. Quality good for you. Quality. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's like I have a joke about it. It's like my marriage was a lot like the Berlin Wall. Mm-hmm. As soon as it fell apart, my finances were better, and I was no longer cut off from the rest of the world. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's a fantastic, that's a fantastic, like, I don't know if you've ever adapted that into a joke, but that's already a great metaphorical, like, punchline piece right there. It's like, much like, just ready to, oh, it's like, oh, I, I, I can, I can pay for things now. That's, so how long then, so you, so you, you were doing your internships, did you end up finishing up and sort of graduating or whatnot from, from BYU altogether? Yep. So you got that done. Now, did you get married, like, after you got graduated? Yeah, pretty much like the week yeah. after or something. Right. I got then, married on 4-20-2019. Blessings. Uh, that's funnier in hindsight than it is probably at the time. Uh, yeah, so it's like, as a kid growing up, I had a weird obsession with Hitler. Uh, just like, Hitler's obviously a terrible human being. But at the, as a child, I was like, but like, he got the power somehow. And it's like, he's a really good orator. Yep. So it's like, it's very convincing. Um, and Hitler's birthday is on 420. Yep. And so I thought it'd be funny to get married on 420, but it's like, also, 420 plays it. 
Um, and you did you know that at the time? Like I figured. Oh yeah, I deliberately did chose the four twenty. You were just um, you were just kind of burning down everything around this this soon to be marriage. Like as you were as you got to influence. Did she even know that those two reasons why four twenty? Oh yeah, gonna... I told her. Um, okay, and she she, yeah. she was just about getting married and fuck the rest pretty much. Yeah, yeah, and it was very apparent she was. Yeah, like I met her dad. And, like, her dad scares the hell out of me. He's one of the few people I've met, and I was just like, yo, like, what the hell is wrong with you? A perfect case of it is, like, one time we were just chilling, and I went to her place to, like, meet the family and stuff. And, like, everyone was having a good time talking, and, like, the dad walks in, and, like, everyone shuts the fuck up. I'm just like, yo, like, that is not normal. That yeah. is not okay. And I was just like, something's not right about this dude. No, that's... Um, that's scary. And it's, it's weird because like his voice, he doesn't look like a threatening dude. He's like a tall, lanky dude. Mm -hmm. And like, are you familiar with the Archie comics? I think yes. Let me do it. It's like Moose from Archie. Let me see here. It's who? Archie comics. Yeah. I'm sure you can pull up a picture or something. Because I, I, Yes, that ginger-haired, skinny, tall... Yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, so Moose, like the big dumb guy... Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, her dad is what I imagine Moose would sound like. Just like a really deep voice or something like that? Like we talked... Yeah, deep voice and kind of like a comical deep voice. I don't know how to describe it, um, but it's just like, oh, I'm this guy. <laughs> kind of like... Uh, Bo Rocky Bowinkle, but like, right? Yeah, stupid. just just really bring up the bass and lower the treble, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. but like the guy scares me, and like the voice does not match. Yeah, that I could I could understand that. It's kind of, well, it's kind of like Spencer a bit because Spencer's like a tall, lanky dude, and you you eventually you get used to like that's his voice, but maybe initially you're like, oh, this guy has got like way he's got four sets of balls that dropped like on his way up like something happened here not quite like that but like but, but more comical as it relates to comical. like yeah the more yeah. comical part yeah nothing about spencer's like voice is innately funny not not, yeah. not like what you're describing with uh with your with your uh father-in-law for the time so get married was it a big wedding small wedding anything like that because i think the next real question is just how long were you married uh, I was married too long. Um, I think every again, I think every husband to. will say that. I think every husband will say this. So I need a year. Yeah. It was about a year, a little over a year. Okay. Like right around my birthday uh, is when we got divorced officially. Did you um, buy property or anything? Like, I don't know. We're like four college students. She did buy a dog with the 2020 stimulus check. And, like, we weren't allowed to have a dog. And I was like, bro, we can't afford a dog. Like, we should not get a dog. And she's like, cool. Well, I'm gonna go get a dog. You can come with me or not. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah, she she got a COVID dog. Okay. Yeah, she still has that dog. Um, but Poor dog. she never like took care of it or like trained it or anything. Oh God, it's it's just a hellion of a dog, I bet. Okay, yeah. so you guys are married like a married a year or less. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you divorce. Like, what year do you divorce at this point? 2020 year later okay so yeah. you're you're four years now pretty much single so what happened for the next four years after that 
Because like you never left Utah, it sounds like. Yeah, correct. After the internships, I just found some jobs. Um, and none of them were very good, and they did not train well. Uh, fuck Goldman Sachs with a knife. They should burn in hell. As for much the 90% of banking industries, because they're just there to get the rich richer and fuck over everyone else. Did you have like a finance degree or something? No, I did supply chain. I did business management because okay. nothing else worked for me. Um, and even then. Uh, so yeah, got divorced. I lived with my brothers uh, for a little bit and like had to, went to therapy and like kind of had to reanalyze all my life. Okay. Um, and just like, cool. So like, why did this happen? Like, I didn't want this. To, it's like, I didn't want to get married. So like, how did that get there? And it's like, kind of learned, I have learned helplessness and like, was not good at setting boundaries or like saying no to people. And like, I've gotten better. Um, and just like had to reanalyze church stuff. Cause I'm like, dude, I am getting fuck all from this. I am getting nothing from church. Mm-hmm. absolutely nothing and like that kind of sucked um and just like yeah church was not doing it and like the community i couldn't get into i mean i still play the organ on sundays uh because i like playing the organ and where else am i gonna get a bunch of people to sing while i play yeah uh so i uh, don't tell my congregation slash ward uh <laughs> And yeah, just like it, there's no one thing that set me off for like the church and religion for me being false, mm-hmm. but like it's just not true. Um, one of my favorite jokes to tell is like there's a lot of problems in the church, but it's like I think it's a shame Joseph Smith died at such a young age that he couldn't celebrate his wife's sweet 16. He married uh, a he, he married a few fourteen year olds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, it, it sounds like for you, it was like a slow peeling of like a sticker. Like you know, you know, when you see something peeled, and there's a bunch of little strands of like the adhesive. Yeah. Like it seems like that's kind of what it was, and each of those little strands is just this little a, a, a million little microcosms of just you just kind of separating from the church and and the belief system. It sounds like. Um, yeah, and like. So do you hang Dustin, out? At, do you hang or, out more in an agnostic or atheistic area now? Not to like heavily heavily label you or anything. It's just sort of like. Yeah, you... it's like I consider myself an atheist, but it's like to be in it. It's like the catch twenty two. It's like to know there is no God, you would have to be a god. Um, yeah, and it's I, like I get that. for a realistic day to day practicum, it's like atheism. It's like this is it. This is all we have. Like, uh, kind of morbid thought I had. Like, if nothing in life really matters, like we could nuke the entire Earth, and like ultimately, wouldn't matter at all. I mean, it matter to us because we're right. in it. Right. But it's like, on a grand scheme of things, no one cares. Uh, yeah. 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 Kind of. It's. It's kind of where you hang out in nihilism just long enough, and you might do something stupid, I guess. Yeah, and it's like, and if someone wanted to do that, or like if or someone with nukes wanted to bomb the shit out of everything, they could. Just yeah. wipe out all life. Yeah. We can't really stop them. We have the nukes. Yeah, you kind of need a little bit more purpose in your life. 
where the yeah. nihilistic atheistic stuff doesn't really at least I, I don't very much vibe with it um because like to sort of trade stories for a moment like i came up with uh, i i grew up in something that was much more it was a non-denominational small like family church thing uh, none of that mega church stuff um but it, it was i was coming up in a much more baptist sort of environment and so i kind of get the perfectionism i get the um the kind of never good enough stuff um jesus was like the end all be all thing and a lot of the rules that kind of come with that meant that there was a lot of a lot of restriction without a lot of like iterative education let's say about like how the world is like yes you know my mom was my mom bad like the first time i ever heard of 50 cent was because my mom was bad mouthing him in like a passing phrase or something and i was like I don't even know who that is. Like all we've listened to in my young life was like the country music station. So I was aware of Martina McBride, Toby Keith, um, Tim McGraw, like those people, Faith Hill, all the, all the country music artists that like my mom was a fan of. And then once like we both got saved on like the same day and baptized pretty close to each other. Um, then we were over to the Christian contemporary channel, um, listening to Phillips, Craig and Dean. And well, I think Toby Mac had a few things back then and all that stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I get a little bit of what you're, I'm picking up a little bit of what you're putting down. Um, I just also ended up having a lot of conflicts of faith because I was trying to have at least something to anchor on. Um, cause I guess I just lost faith, um, in, in my mom and in like my parents from like probably a little too early on for for a growing person um but yeah cool so you live with your brothers the divorce has occurred you're still in the utah utah area you try out for um i think you said either charles schwab or jp morgan uh, one of those big financial companies um doesn't take so what sort of happens after that because you've kind of it sounds around it, it it sounds like you get into the therapy to understand what was going on or what got you into a marriage that you didn't want to be in and at that at that point it's a question of like so what what sort of progresses or, or what what's what's sort of the progress from there to i don't know loss of faith and getting into all the things that you're sort of into now yeah um and I'm not saying like don't be Christian. It's like this is just what I've done. Um, one of the things that really did turn me off is like Christianity is about like being good to others, and it's like we have this weird like alt right group that's like heavily Christian, mm-hmm. but like doesn't follow the practice of Jesus of like loving your neighbors and being like, if you ain't us, get fucked, kid. Right. And I, I was never a fan of that. Um, and I feel like that is weirdly growing. It's like the point of religion is to make you a better person. Yeah. And I just kind of felt like I had capped out. Not that I was like the best person I could be or anything. Just like I don't feel like anything new has been here. I get that. I actually get that. I get that a lot. I didn't get a, I didn't get a revival into valuing the Bible in any productive way for me at least um until um until i started listening to jordan peterson's lecture series on genesis but 
back to you real quick back to you for so yeah. so you sort of have you run out of maxing out what value you can extract from the bible from the mormon teachings and stuff and so what what sort of happens yeah so what sort of happens there with therapy and still playing the organ in a, it sounds like going to church on on sundays or whatnot but what do you end up doing there doing from there yeah, uh, eventually I get a job with Fort Longyear uh, through a friend who, rec who recommended me um, move out with move out of my brothers, um, and like again, it's just like that slow burn of like religious mm -hmm. stuff, like therapies. Like I hand out books about therapy. Adult children of the mostly amateur parents is really like what stuck to me the most. Uh, there's also a free PDF of it on a. Uh, Was it adult internet. parents are what? Adult children of emotionally immature parents by Lindsay C. Gibson. Let me actually Google this here. By adult children of emotional parents, right? Emotionally by immature. Emotionally immature. Parents, yeah. Yeah, by who was was their name? Lindsay C. Gibson. Z.C. Gibson. Okay, that sounds like that'd be interesting. Uh, and she also has a follow-up of recovering from adult children, recovering from adult children of the emotionally mature parents. They're very similar. There's a lot of overlap, but like one is identifying, and the other's like, okay, well now you're aware of the problem. This is kind of what you can do. Like the first um, one extracts it out, and the second book kind of gives you a progression forward after you've reckoned with those those issues. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, did you have anything from so those? Was, did you have anything from the first or second book that really stuck out for you in terms of self-application? Yeah, it's like my parents were very passive. They were very supportive. They were very supportive of everything I did. Mm -hmm. They were just very passive when it came to emotional support that I wanted, or like, and like that's fine, or like. Being the youngest, I kind of felt like a backburner child. Right. Um, and it's like nothing against my parents. It's just like they have four other kids they need to deal with. And by the time, like, my parents had bandwidth to help me, I was an angsty teenager and didn't want their help. Right, right, right. Um, so it was just a bad time. Um, but, like, the yeah. And, like, just kind of being bullied as a kid, it's like, and not being able to like do anything about it, it's like just learned helplessness. Yeah. Um, like I said, and working more to overcome that, uh, and just like I don't have to follow the path of religion. Um, and just trying to figure out what it means that like if there is no God, well now it's like the nihilism is a very apparent, mm -hmm. like. But it's like, you can't, you don't want to live a life of nihilism. That's how you end up, like, killing yourself or, like, yeah, ODing or something like that. But, um... Okay, so you, you, go through, you go through the therapy, you go through some of these, I feel like some of these books were recommended or you discovered, right? Yeah. Right? Um, so you're going through that therapy. What, I'm kind of driving at, like, what, what gets you towards... Um, I, cause I know one of your hobbies is baking. I don't know if that's still like the work yeah. that you do, but like you like doing somewhat artistic baiting or just uh simple creative. Cake baking. Decorating. Yeah. Cake decorating. Um, 
And the other thing is that, of course, where we met was um, through, through comedy and everything. Did you say, yeah. did you say Santa? What did I just hear you say? Uh, stand up. Stand up, right, right. <laughs> they said Santa, yeah. and I was like, I, neither of us have been elves, but keep going. Um, uh, you haven't been an elf. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Sorry, I am very rambly. Just uh, draw me back to what you want to talk that's about. The whole, that's the whole thing. That's um, the whole thing. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So, I got into stand-up. So, I was living with my brother and, like, working a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, just doing in-between jobs. And I was just shit-posting a lot on Reddit. Uh, one of my favorite subreddits is Shitty Life Pro Tips. And uh, I had a few good ones. Um, like during the pandemic, one of my favorite ones I posted was, uh, like, think you might have COVID, or it's like, you got your COVID test back, gather the whole gang to reveal the results. Right. Stuff like that. Um, and I was like, oh, I have like enough one-liners or like random thoughts. Like growing up, I'd always have random thoughts when I'm trying to go to sleep or like just have quiet moments. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just started writing more and more down. And I was like, I could do this on stage, maybe. And uh, I did Wise Guys and, like, finally got up on stage and just started doing it. Um, and to answer your cake decorating questions uh, in college, because I was trying to, like, make a good community. And, like, I like people and I want to celebrate their life. So I'd right. make a cake for their birthday. And uh, as a college student, it's like you just have a butter knife and a can of frosting from the store. Uh, and I would try to write happy birthday and like sprinkles or something, and it looked like really shitty. looked right. really awful. Um, and one of my friends bought me a cake decorating kit on my birthday so I could pipe it and like actually frost it and just kind of progress from there. All right, that's pretty awesome that you got such. Because we're going back to like we're we're just getting constant reminders of what a, of what a wholesome piece of shit you are. Um, because you're just like it's other people's birthday. I'm gonna make designer cakes for them with like my amateur college kid abilities, and then it sounds like you finally got like a present that like at least landed really home for what like you were already. Because it sounds like you really enjoyed doing the decorating and stuff. Yeah, it was probably like one of the best uh, thoughtful gifts. And then it was probably like only $15 or something. No, no, no. One of my best gifts I ever got was literally like a box of honey buns for my roommate because it was kind of an inside joke because I was clearly obsessed with honey buns. (laughs) You know, like just the regular like six pack of Little Debbie's because they saw I ate like one or two a day and and I raged at League of Legends and I love sassy humor. So they got me like a twenty dollar gift card that would be that would go to my League of Legends account. They got me the box of honey buns, and they got me this like sassy black woman like gift like um birthday card or whatnot that just like told me off or whatever. And it was it's still one of my favorite gifts like to this day. Um, so yeah, I think we agree on it. But I, I don't need you to belabor yeah. the part where like the dollar amount doesn't matter. The 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 preciseness of execution of quality of gift is 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 pretty unparalleled in in, yeah. the, in the human experience i don't know what dogs think but you know yeah uh so so in the in the comedy area um because this is like the easiest thing to sort of jump into is had you, were you aware of like stand-up and such as like an art form or an, or what was like comedy for you like back in like your fam like young childhood or family and mormon and 
all of that because like so speaking as someone who like did a lot of work around mormons when i was working pest control for a few months in um in utah most of the mormons that i interacted with there were like all i knew all i had to do was like put on like my old school christian filter and i could still be the same witty version of myself so there's just no cussing but there's still the same like witticism that came around it so and and unless i was dealing with a very high strong personality um like a super stressed mom or something usually they they were of good humor in the salt lake area so i'm kind of curious like what's your what was sort of your um what was sort of your like introduction to comedy in general whether it was you know like comedy movies uh skits like snl stuff or otherwise um, I like a model I had, or like just was it relevant to my life? I don't know. Something that sort of inspired you. Like here, I'll 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 throw down like me. So I was unaware of stand-up comedy as like an art form of any kind. Like I think growing up, I was aware of like the music people on the radio or whatever. Um, when you think of having a life as like an artist of any kind, you're thinking of those people that do like painting and stuff. Um. And I had no idea where sort of that script writers or anything like that was a thing. I'd done like some like school plays, um, but I wasn't aware of sort of, let's say, stand up um, as an art form in any in any meaning of the word until the blue collar, Mm. the blue collar comedy tour um, came out when I was like in early middle school, um, which I'd have to like do some math to figure that out. So I was like in sixth or seventh grade. Um, when my uncle showed up to the, the property, um, the property up, um, in North Florida that my family has or whatnot. Um, and we put it on and we watched like all four of those comics, Jeff Foxworthy, Larry, the cable guy, Billingvall and Ron White, just watched that whole special. And I damn near memorized that thing. Um, and so that was my first introduction to really stand up comedy as an art. I'd randomly see things on on TV, like maybe SNL or something, but since my parents weren't really deep into modern culture in any way, I've only been like, I've only had to learn about like the Dana Carvey show or SNL or stuff like in, in going, looking backwards. I've never, I've always had, I've always struggled being with like the zeitgeist as it is in the present day. And I've always had to look backwards at what the zeitgeist was like in my youth, um, if that makes sense. So it goes from like, yeah. so for me, it goes from blue collar comedy tours the first time I see stand up like at all. And barely understanding like that it's a rehearsed art form rather than like an improvised art form like it appears like it appears to be an improvised off the cuff uh, art form and then my next major influence i would say is christopher titus's special the Nor- norman rockwell is bleeding um and then another favorite is like pimp chronicles part two by like cat williams um and so those were all sort of like the influences and the things in comedy central in general at that time because i i graduated high school like in 2010 so 2010 back like four years is all of the comedy that I was intaking off of the TV and really getting really at least having those influences. And I I loved Eddie Murphy and Robin Williams inside of their movies. So it's kind of one of those, like I knew I was funny from a young age. I loved funny things. Um, And I just kept, and, and at least for me, for most of my adult life, especially once I, I guess realized that, there was a way to get into it um, with local open mics um, by listen by understanding that through Joe Rogan and such uh, with the podcasts. Um, that's kind of at least been that's informed how I've gotten to at least where I've gotten to. 
or I don't know, just finding open mics, going to them and, you know, building out a craft, if you will. So I'm kind of curious, like how, because it sounds like you started at least being, you know, a shit poster on Reddit. But did you just know to go to Wise Guys? Like, had you been to like live comedy performances or anything like that? Or, um, no, uh, it's like I had always been aware of stand up comedy in some form. Um, and I think my dad actually encouraged me. Like, I tried to do a talent show in high school, and my dad's like, You should do stand up. And I tried to write something, and I was like, This is garbage. I'm going to do something else. Right. Uh, and I always loved memes and being funny. Right. In third grade, I was voted one of the funniest kids in my class. I, if I remembered it correctly. Congratulations. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. Just like always had a string of consciousness of like trying to make things funny. It's a yeah. free coping mechanism. Why not use it? I, my mom kind of badgered me one time is like stop making things funny because they're like serious or tragic or whatever and i'm just like this is all i have like this is all i can do like I, yeah it's like well it's a shitty situation like yeah <laughs> sorry i sorry, can't control that sorry that sorry that i cope with chuckles and you just keep crying mom <laughs> one of us is clearly having a better time here <laughs> so yeah um okay so you you at least got it just sounds like it was always on your radar or you were aware of it as an art form. Something just like that. Just never thought I'd be doing it, I guess. Right. Um, like, I love the stage, and uh, it's like I do miss theater and stuff, but it's like as an adult, you don't have as much time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, I can do three minutes for sure. Um, yeah. And I just Googled, like, open mics near me, and I found uh, Wise Guys because they are a very strong presence in utah yeah they're also the only consistent open mic situation that's gonna last that's lasted for you know 10 years let's say even though i have no idea when they started but i know i i know both from uh central florida orlando and uh and salt lake that um internet searches don't do very well for helping you find open mics you're kind of better off going to like the local comedy club finding the comics there and then helping them track you down to where all these little open mics are that no one for some reason, like no, no article is going to be able to really capture them very easily on the internet. Yeah. Or, and it's always changing. Yeah, exactly. So do you remember sort of like your first, like what year was that that you first got on it? Cause it's, that makes it sound like you're a part of like, um, the Chuck Fury sort of generation. Cause Chuck got started Pretty yeah. much after the, like, right when the pandemic ended. But Chuck told me, even on the podcast, he started getting consistent, in, like, nine months or 18 months or something like that after the club reopened. Because um, Utah, like, Florida closed down for, like, two weeks and then kind of just stayed open again. Um, it didn't do any of the extra closing down stuff that, like, um, New York and California did. So Chuck mm-hmm. got... St- as I was as I was realizing this, and this is why I have probably an excessive romanticism about the Salt Lake scene, I'm realizing because my wife and I moved to Salt Lake like December 2020. So, and I went like a handful of times inside of the last three years before this past June, July of 2023. I went a handful of times to the Wednesday or Tuesday night open mics to like try my hand at it, but 
it, all I'm all I'm sort of driving at is that like there's a generation that started like right after the pandemic, and that sound is that when you sort of started as well, or were you like pre-pandemic? No, no. Uh, I think around Chuck Fury. I know Angel Gomez is probably the closest time frame. Mm-hmm. I think he started. I think we started around like August 2021. Okay. Somewhere around there, maybe June. It was in summertime. I remember right. that. Right. Um, yeah, that sounds right. I think Chuck had been doing it a little, like a few months before I had. Right. I definitely came in after him. I know that. Okay. All righty. Because I, I feel like I had seen you. Dennis McMenis is such a fully catchy name that yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw you several times on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Um, yeah. I was originally Dennis the Menace, but like I looked into it and it was like copyright. It's like if I went on stage and said I was Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Like ah, maybe not the best. I learned to today. I, I learned today because uh, I've been listening to the Cat Williams on the Shannon Sharps podcast, the Shay Shay Show or whatever. That Cat Williams' original name was like Cat in the Hat, and then when he was not even making like thirty grand annually as a performer, like Disney, like Cinema Cease and Desist, so he just had to change the Cat Williams. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Now, do you remember your first set or anything like that? Do you remember how those that first set or those early days how it went? They were awful. Um, <laughs> I do remember things I used to do. It's like I don't remember my full first set except I was very nervous and I had my I had two Mormon friends come in. Uh huh. And I think it was Greg who does comedy church. I'm not right. sure. Yeah. But him or someone was dropping like a ton of f bombs and they're like. Just call us when you're up. <laughs> we're on deck. And they just left the club and were like, we'll come back for you. Um, and one of the things I used to do a lot was uh, I used to like sway right. on stage. And it was very distracting watching like old videos I have. Mm-hmm. And uh, Benjamin Button, or not Benjamin Button, um, Benjamin Brown, King Benjamin. Okay. Uh, told me to like plant one of my feet in the back and that helped tremendously to like stage presence and something Nami told me to do was like don't say uh just like be quiet yeah and like it's harder to do yeah he him and i him and i talked about that because we both understand he understands it more as a performer i understand it as someone that's been studying um speech and performance in general that it's much better for you to hold silence than it is yep. to fill the gap nervously um mm-hmm. because and as i'm as i'm saying um because people are paying attention and that silence can get their attention so i i i i enjoy that nami was the person that like gave you that 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 bit Got good advice. it's very good advice yeah. very good advice even for conversation and like chuck and ek both gave me like good tips starting out a lot yeah as well just like you're very fidgety. <laughs> You're very what? Which very fidgety, which right. was true. Like, yeah. and you talk way too fast, mm-hmm. which was true. And I, like, I do a lot of one-liners, and like, you need to give time to breathe. Yeah. Um, and I was not. I was just steamrolling it, even when they were laughing. I was just like, next joke. Uh, you had not learned to sort of identify when they were at the end of their laugh to start the next joke, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I definitely appreciate them doing that. Um, what else? 
I think that almost brings yeah. us. Is there any other significant? Um, like, did you have your? Have you have you headlined at all? No, inside of, I only inside did one show or whatnot. Uh, I only did one show, and that was like a year and a half ago. It was August. Mm-hmm. I think it was like the year after a full year of doing comedy at all. Um, and then I'm trying to get more. I, I don't feel like. Stand-up comedy is, like, my final form. Right, right, right. Or anything. Right. I don't know what is. Uh, so I'm trying to do sketch comedy. Uh, I have... I did make a YouTube channel called McMenace Production. Right. Uh, and I just have To Catch a Missionary, which is, like, a satire on what it's like to be a missionary mm-hmm. in the Mormon church stateside, as well as, like, the weird creepiness of, like, the Mormon church will like kind of groom kids to get baptized. Okay. I don't want to say, uh, yeah, probably grooms the best way, like groom them for baptism. Uh, cause it'll do a lot of like part-time families mm-hmm. or part member families. And it's like, Oh, you have a child who could get baptized. Uh, let's like get them baptized so we can reactivate the whole family. Right. It's just like a weird practice. Yeah, it's um, it's using the kids as the lure to get the whole family, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. and I'm working on another skit right now uh, that I'll probably work on after this. Of it's like a Dr. Seuss style of missionary interviewing. Right. Uh, so you need to have an interview with your bishop mm-hmm. and stake present before you go on a mission, mm-hmm. and they like. It's not as bad now, but they used to ask like a lot more invasive questions about uh, the law of chastity, which is like not looking at porn or like not masturbating. Uh, they used to be a lot more like, so uh, have you done it with a goat? You done it with, on a boat? Like, when did you set up shop? Things like that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was looking to see yeah, if you could find that. You said McMenace Productions. Yeah, or you can just look up to catch a missionary. That might be better. There's a lot of there's a lot of menace productions on YouTube. Yeah, I'm sure. Or maybe yeah. it's Mr. Oh, no, no, it's just Dennis McMenace. There, yeah, three weeks ago, three thirty-one views right now. Yeah. 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 Seven minutes. Okay, so a little seven-minute clip or whatnot. Cool. Awesome. Alrighty. So cool. There's that. And. So, yeah, well, one of the things I was thinking about when you were talking about um, how, the, how stand-up is not your final form, I feel like I remember seeing you come in and doing jokes, and maybe I was also seeing someone else do other types of comedy that was much more... Cause it might have been you. There's, it was at Alliance Theater uh, at, um, at the um, Artistic Underground open mic, at Spencer's open mic, and someone was there with a bunch of percussion stuff, um, and I was, and I'm trying to remember if that was you or someone else, but there's always, if anything, you saying it's not, you saying standup's not your final form doesn't sort of surprise me because there's something about between the cake making, the joke writing that you do, um, how sort of intense you are about doing sort of a good job and whatever you're working on. It's sort of unsurprising that you would be sort of expanding your, your creativity as it were. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and thank you for the kind words. Um, so it's like, 
I do a lot of one-liners, and it's like, I feel like doing one-liners kind of died out. Like, I know Max Bainey's really good at one-liners. Yeah. Uh, in the modern age, I feel like a lot of one-liners could just be a meme. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I could make a lot of memes, but it's like, it doesn't... I just want to make memes, or, like, I just want to make jokes that get the right audience. Because that's kind you, of do you know how algorithms the, work now as well. Yeah, what do you mean by the what do you think you mean by the right audience? Um, like to catch a missionary is a very esoteric video. Right. Um, because it does satirize like the weird life missionaries live. Mm-hmm. Like if you drop a Bible or a Book of Mormon, your wife will gain ten pounds, which is a shitty thing to say and weird. Um but like, it also catches like it overemphasizes like how creepy it is missionaries are with like kids and getting them baptized just for like a baptismal number. Right. Uh, my brother served in the Provo, Utah mission and he worked with a lot of kids to getting them baptized. And it's right. like, that's just how the system's kind of set up. It's not healthy. And it's like a lot of people target kids for a lot of reasons. But it's like if you groom them for baptism, it's like what else are you grooming them for? Yeah, um, it gets a little. And it's like they may not have another purpose. And maybe like they just want to get them baptized, follow Jesus, which is fine. But it's like if a kid doesn't know they have a voice, or like I don't understand, or if everyone's like peer pressure, do it and you're cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that kid may have a skewed view on things. Yeah, and it's like peer pressure is like a way of life, religious or not. Right. Agreed. It just needs to be a conversation and like some practice. Uh, I did work a little bit with kids. I was going to do elementary education, but it's like, it's not enough to tell your kid it's okay to say no. They have to be able to practice that as well. And like, if a kid is bullying you, like, what would you do? And like, okay, let's act it out. Like role playing that way does help a kid. Yeah. Tremendously. And that's why you also practice lining up for, like, fire drills. Because if you're, like, an actual fire king and you're like, let's do it like that, and everyone's just running out the door. Yeah, I feel like it's a Navy SEAL thing or something like that, but, like, it's, it's the practice that you do that means that that part, th- those practiced habits will autopilot when, when yeah. the shit hits the fan, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, thing. It, it's, it's pretty much that. It's... Um, Another way to think about it is like so um I've played Overwatch I I game a lot um and I played Overwatch so much that I have so many instinctual th- actions that I would do inside of that game that I couldn't even explain to you sort of what I'm doing um meanwhile I'm going over and learning Counter-Strike which is a very different first person shooter for how it functions and I have to sort of rebuild the, and I have to just put hours in to rebuild a very different set of habits of how to think, function, and react. And there's only, mm-hmm. and, and there's starting to be those little glimmering moments where I'm just instinctually acting, and I'm not consciously thinking about what the next thing I'm doing. I'm sort of flowing into the cornucopia of data. Um, is kind of a way that I could think about it as well for just for just another example for people. Okay, yeah. so. I think that sort of just rounds out like your your bio, uh, more or less, um, for for how like everything else is gone, and everything. Um, 
to kind of like just because th- this is like sort of like my podcast, but like I reserve the option for to throw it over to you. It's like, do you want to know anything you want to know like about me at all? Anything that was sort of curious or weird or like, why did you do that, man? Why did you do a roast when you haven't even been here long enough to deserve this shit? Because that Aaron Orlovitz joke and from everyone has really been like ch- chapping my ass, if you will. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you did answer that question at one point. Well, the answer's simple. Um, and I did answer it a few times. It's just that Amanda, yeah. Amanda had her birthday roast in August. And then it was like mid September or something. And the Midway owners or whoever was like, no, we'd like more events. And so she's out on that front porch of Midway going like, hey, does anyone want to get roasted next? And I'm like, sure. Like, and I'm also like leaving at the end of October. Like we were, my wife and I were already very clear on that. Um, in terms of what we were, where we're at and what we were going to be doing. So it reserved the option to be a birthday thing, a going away thing, and a roast for a whole set of event stuff. So that's like the only, that's literally the only reason. It's not that I, yeah. like, if, if we, we did like a, the same roast, of, like, I know everyone wanted to do the Chuck Fury roast because he's so roastable and is like a beloved character in the scene. Or if there was a roast of like Sam Duantano or Scott Fillmore came back to Salt Lake, like, that would be a roast by the community for like you know one one of their own yeah but yeah for me it was literally just i raised my hand and now i'm here getting shot at is it, that's all that's happening here um yeah did i did i ever show you my uh chuck fury impre- impression you, d- you did it you did it at the beginning of that okay it, it, and like i used to suck dick for money <laughs> And I was listening, yep. I was like, that's actually, because I've been listening to it several times as I've been going through the edit. Um, it's like, no, that's Chuck. That's, that's pretty close to Chuck somehow. I don't know why his yeah. voice is so high-pitched, but it's still fucking him. Um, <laughs> that's true. I think it's to get the in it, in it, in notation, uh, the inflection that he does. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's fucking great. That's fucking great. Yeah. Um, uh, what's I think you kind of answered it already, but uh, what's one of the nicest things someone's ever done for you? Um, I could actually give quite an intimate one. I just uh, hung out with this friend recently, so right. Uh, so I keep. I have also been keeping a journal of sorts um, for a while. Um, I call it my reflection pond, um, and so. What I did for a long time, uh, up until I got more constructive with it while I was out in Utah, is that I would just have these very circular modes of thought, uh, typically around highly emotional things like soft trauma or something like that. Ruminations. And ruminations, yeah, sure. That'd be, that would even be a good word for it. Um, and so I would take them and I would have this poetic, artistic sort of title, but I would just be like puking on, on the page. Um, and... And so I had one of those, which was sort of like my private eulogy when my mother passed in 2016. And so my friend was the only one that was of an intimate sort of closeness as a friend at the time. Um, my roommates were not of that, and I didn't have. Uh, my wife was a go- was a good close friend at the time, but she was either she was not there, so she was and she was not a part of my everyday life. Um, and so my friend was able to pretty much kind of just be there by both luck and circumstance. They were already coming over weekly because we were working on early um, content creation ideas, podcasts, and so on. Um, you can go, if you go look up like pseudo productions, um, you could go look up like him killing me in Halo Reach and shit like that. 
Um, and it's, and we have a historically great, uh, chemistry, but he got to basically like sort of listen or me read this eulogy that was not meant for anyone else to hear because there's a lot of sort of, there is kind of this, this, it had the potential to be venom at everyone else, but you know, me and maybe my mom or something like that. It, it had, it had one of those kind of tones that it's reading it publicly would not be of service to anyone, but you know, it was one of those writings that's much more for you than it is for anyone else. Like an, it's yep. an, it's an a blinking kind of letter. Um, but they, so he got to be just the one person that I got to share it with. Um, and we both kind of cherish that, that moment of intimacy. And he, um, recorded, um, he recorded like my actual, like eulogist moment with a, video that i made and so on in in memory of my mom at the at the ceremony um and so that that was one of those like really good sweet um important moments um particularly because a lot of like my life i think much like what you were talking about as the youngest child i'm an only child i got all my parents attention and it still wasn't enough um and uh but there was something about how i was raised where it's like no i was not listen to so getting something like that where it's like no i get to sort of say this now and have someone that was there to listen to me say a thing um multiplies like the the emotional weight of, of that moment if if to to give you a good a good of one of things that would answer that question yeah it's super cool yeah. being able to share that um I want to ask like a trick question, so I'll just preface it with, uh, if you, if all your wishes came true, would it change the world or just yours? Um, so my question, follow-up question on that is, uh, if you had all the time and money, like infinite, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. what would you want to do? Um, so the, the first one is that it would change my world, um, mostly because my current, my, my, my changing everything would be in much more my psychological perspective world. Um, if anything, it would just be the hit the button and all the work that I do now in my journaling and stuff would just be expedited by a hundred years, let's say, because we don't know how long it takes to make ourselves the best version of ourselves. Um, Buddhist teachings, Christian teachings and stuff aside, um, so in my, in my sense of things, if I actually get to change sort of my world, then I get to have a, the best version of me having a, what, feel, what might feel like the, what might feel like the best impact on the world, if that makes sense. Like there's some ego in there, but if I change for the best, then that means that I get to have a very clearly positive impact on the rest of the world. So it's not... It doesn't, it might be the most egotistical way to answer it, but it's like, I'm not interested in changing the world. I'm interested in changing me and then letting the repercussions of that multiply out. I feel like that's way better than just snap my fingers and there's no starving kids in Detroit anymore or something like that. Like, that's a very good thing to wish for, but it doesn't. It's not as feasible. It's not, well, it's not a fulfilling thing. You know, there's something about having these virtuous goals of, like, no kids go hungry or 
eliminate all racism, all these very good, wholesome things to like wish for and look for in the best parts of humanity. But I always end up going back to like, but yeah, but like, have you actually like figured out you? Because the ability for anyone to become Buddha versus Hitler is 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 there. It come like with the Christian upbringing, you are you are taught with like we are fallen creatures like by nature, and seeing the great evils and the great goodness in of people and out of people you know, sort of informs that. And so it's one of those like, well, are you building yourself as a tree that has roots that go all the way to hell, but because that also means your branches are going all the way up to heaven. Like, are you actually like, are, have you established yourself as someone that, like one of the things that I echo out from, from Peterson, because he's someone I've listened to a lot over the last like five years, is are you going to be the emotionally stable person at your father's funeral so everyone else can cry freely? And that kind of being a rock of your community mentality is, is part of, uh, I guess, like an archetype that I've embodied and, and strived for before, long before I heard the metaphor. Um, so th those are those pieces. Um, all the money and stuff in the world, it would probably let me do what I'm already doing because um, I've not gotten work since moving back yet. It's like two months. I'm entering my third month of being unemployed for the longest amount of time ever and part of that is because of the money i do have but if i had the infinite money then it's like i would be doing what i'm doing now and i would really have to consider how much that level of of just finance like bringing it down to just a tool would allow me to expedite certain things but part of like what i end up caring about is like so like so where i'm at in terms of being in the orlando comedy scene is I've done little drops here and there to where this article says there have been open mics because I'm like, for some reason, dodging uh, the Orlando Improv. I don't know why I'm dodging it. Um, I'm supposed to go tonight. Like, that's my set goal because I have not found any other comics. I've, two of the, actually, the open mics I tracked down, they used to do them and I either quit a year ago because it wasn't bringing much to the coffee shop that it was. Yep. Or one of them. Thomas. Yeah. Or it... Um, or for this one, this bar over in the Paramore area, um, the, the I think he's an owner, but the bartender there, he used to run it. He was the guy that orchestra, that organized it and ran it and had maybe another comic or had a, a local comic host it and, and help him run it or something like that. But the bartender told me that he more or less shut that down maybe a month or so ago because like real Nazis showed up and started doing like their Nazi, not funny jokes. And I'm just sitting there like, yeah, it's one of those where it's like, I might, like, in my idealist version of myself, it's like, I'm okay with any type of person showing up. My requirement is you have to be funny. So if you're going to be a Nazi showing up, it's like, all right, I'm going to be uncomfortable. And people are going to be uncomfortable if you're a Nazi showing up to this open mic. But if you're not funny, I don't have to, and you're consistently not funny, or you're just being so blatantly just racist, racist anti-Semitic, yeah. and all that shit. It's like, no, dude, like, you don't even get three minutes here. It's like, I, I am yeah. ripping. It's like, no, you're you are against everything about what we're trying to do as effective entertainers, right? Even if you come in and just do effective entertainment, it's, it can't even be categorized as stand-up. Like, that's not going to bother me. It's like, because yeah. musicians... Like the poetry of music, yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah, like, I, I, I give a lot of... I, I always was giving props while I was there to Kayla and Spencer because they, and now Quinn, actually, from the looks of it, like, they were the comics, like, no, I'm going to start an open mic. And I think Chuck's doing one now. So, like, 
But Spencer and Kayla were the easiest examples of like, no, we're going to start an open mic away from wise guys, not nothing against wise guys, but wise guys kind of maxed out what it could do with its two room setup before it got the Rickles room. Wednesday yep. night was probably one of the best showcases um, in the country or at least how Salt Lake comics would brag about it. But I also have been, I've been several times to the other bar in downtown Orlando off Wall Street and the Orlando Improv. And those open mics were either good because of a singular comic or they were just shit. And it was really hard to, it's, it's one of those where the first time I went and just went to watch, I was like, this feels like a showcase of comics. Yeah, there's some, op- and it's an open mic, but like, watching this string of comics both open micers and sort of veterans of of comedy of at least just the salt lake scene come through and be good or be lucky or be bad like it was impressive to watch um for just it being an open mic um but it also meant especially with where wise guys got by the time it is now where like the chance of you getting on on a wednesday open mic is very low Unless you are, unless you are brand new, like there's a priority list now, and so the yep. chances of me getting me getting on like would be easy because it'd be my first time. But I would very much have to keep going to Shades, to Midway, to all the other stuff around the Salt Lake and Utah Valley to sort of have my name and my chops sort of vetted for the for the organizer of the Wise Guys Wednesday Night Open Mic to like get me on stage there consistently for just the open mic on. On Wednesday and then Tuesday, I mean, last time I went on at a Tuesday at Wise Guys, I didn't go on till like 1030 at night. Yep. You know, so it's like they've maxed out what they can do with that. It's not even anything against Wise Guys or any of the any of the production or producers or owners. Yeah. And that's where like the Rickles room out on them buying that cheddar burger was fucking great. So part of what I'm, I guess, to try to bring it back to the point I was trying to make. See, I'm rambly, too. It's not just you. Um, <laughs> is um is pretty much track down, see how the uh, Orlando open mic scene, how healthy or unhealthy it is, and figure out, like, okay, what do I actually want to do? Because I have to get... you The uh, infinite amount of money isn't going to make me better at stand-up or acting or any of these crafts that require the hours. And nor is it going to make me better at producing good shows because that's pretty much, like... The peak of what I could do instead of a month's time is what that roast was with, you know, two sponsors with the bar already there, with um, actresses donated, with their, the props that almost got there or could have been there, um, and, and shit like that. And who knows what else like we could get out of Shades or Castle of Chaos um, under a longer relationship, and maybe I'll work with Amanda on that more um, as she tries to keep that mic going and like maybe step it up. But now I get to do the same thing sort of here of like, okay, the Orlando Improv is a good thing that only has like one open mic opportunity because it has only one side room but the open mic has to end by the time the show in the main room is done mm. so it's yeah. this, it's a very tight-knit thing because the orlando improv isn't a stand it's it's in a tighter version of downtown salt lake so you know how the gateway area has like the walking around area but there's streets that are cutting through and stuff yeah. um the orlando improv and you could probably see this if you did like a google top-down look but the orlando improv is on like the second floor on uh, in off of i drive in this very much walking mall-ish area like not a mall mall like um like the fashion mall or um the south town mall might be but it's in one of those kind of areas like how salt lake is where there's two floors it just gets this one batch of real estate um i kind of think about about time on the second floor above wise guys 
but it's got it's just one little corner it's one section oh, of real yeah. estate to work with and so there's a sidebar that's probably open most days of the week and that's where the open mic would occur but that's also where the standing room is because I've, I've gone to one or two main stage shows there's for like sinbad or for the guy that, that the guy that was on the office a few times the really um masculine asshole one um forget the actor's name um but that bar area is the holding area before you would go into the main room. So if there's shows happening five, six, seven nights a week, that bar area is pretty much taken. what it's taken. So the Orlando yeah. Improv, due to just its real estate logistics and also being on the best place it could be as a tourist attraction on iDrive, it doesn't have a lot of ability just functionally, whether or not the ownership wants to help the scene on a grassroots level or not. It doesn't have the logistical ability unless it bought more real estate in that area, which would be insane to just expand leases or even buy pure property on iDrive. Cause it's like, like if I was going to do tiers of, 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 of entertainment, there's Disney world, right? Like top tier Disney world beaches can be out on the side, but that's like a way that's really cost effective. You can go East coast, West coast, Miami, whatever that's, that's whatever. But top of the line is, is Disney world, right? Like a thousand bucks a person for a fucking experience or whatnot. It's, it's insane shit. It's expensive, um, yeah. It's mad expensive, right? And so Disney and Disney, like you're not buying on Disney property pretty much. Next level down would be like Universal Studios, Islands of Adventure, the Universal Orlando experience where like Islands of Adventure has your roller coasters, Universal Studios has all of your visually fun shit, you know, like Back to the Future in one of those motion cars with a giant screen and stuff like that. Um, and... The next level down from there would be iDrive, which is like just this long walking area that's got like two CC's pizzas, it's got an IHOP, it's got an Olive Garden, it's got a Dave and Buster's, it's got the whole Point Orlando area where the um, Orlando Improv is with a the theater, with these game rooms, these other things. Like it's just a whole entertainment, a Hell at the Moon that I used to work at. So it's a whole, it's a whole long strip, International Drive, iDrive we call it, that is just nothing but high, like easy entertainment to run through. And so, yeah, that sort of informs, like, where that's what I've got to work with is go to the improv, find comics, and then kind of look around and be like, okay, where are the open mics that are existing? Is there anyone even here? And what bar near me can I, like, host and people actually, like, show up? Even just comics just show up, too, you know? Yeah. And so that... Getting the word out. Yeah, so if I had infinite money, I could help Orlando Improv buy another fucking batch of real estate to, like extend out to be able to actually directly support the grassroots stuff but you know i would almost it would almost be better off for me to just like buy decent real estate on like the edges of orlando or something in downtown orlando and do something more in the stand-up category because there is sack here uh where um wayne brady came from but sack sack comedy lab is an improv um is an improv place so they, they specialize in giving improv lessons and giving improv, improv sort of shows in the short improv style of way. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of like, I guess, would answer in certain ways how I'm, one, how I'm dealing with comedy, but also how like infinite money could help certain things, but it's not going to help what I care I'm working on, such as getting good at comedy, getting good at producing comedy, and getting good at running like mics, like granting like that's sure. sort of like the direction I get to go in. Um, also, fun fact about Florida, uh, 
The Mormon Church owns one percent of yep. the landmass. They are the large. They are the largest real estate owner in the state. They beat Disney yeah. somehow. Yeah, and I, and I, and, I, and I know the tracks of land because uh, if you take the five twenty eight for anyone that's in Florida, you take the five twenty eight, which is this uh, east west um, toll road. I think it dumps off into the four seventeen before it connects to I four on the southern part of the I four S curve that that makes a vertical cut through Orlando. The 528, once you get past like Lake Nona or whatnot area, there's this, just swaths of property that don't even have cows on them. They just have like cleared property with their fences up and like one set of reserved trees off in the distance. Because that's like a rule. Like you can't do clean, clear. You have to leave a certain percentage of the original like vegetation there or something. But there's these, it's just, it's just swaths of empty property just sitting there. And there's one temple here that I've driven by a few times. There's one temple here, and it is immaculately kept. Um, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> it was impressive driving. No one's – I never see anyone on the property. And we will see, like, the pairs of, like, missionaries, like, around town, like, here and there. Um, but, yeah. So. It's not Salt Lake. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a place on like two things uh there's a place called three rivers barbecue or something four rivers yeah four rivers barbecue four rivers. Yeah. yeah yeah i had one guy rant and rave about how great it is so, and it sounds like for open mics the biggest problem are nazis like literal nazis so far yeah um what which did you, is did you, so did your friend just rant and rave about the barbecue of four rivers or whatnot or or what yeah it was actually a professor at uh, byu idaho mm-hmm uh, my brother is moving to Orlando for a occupational therapy school. Um, right. And he's just like, dude, the barbecue there is like probably the best. He's like, I will pay you like fifty dollars for like a thing of like the barbecue sauce from there. Yeah, and, uh, for, I, I enjoy. I appreciate. So I've been to Four Rivers a few times. Um, I don't go often for probably two reasons one i don't love barbecue that much um two um i don't eat out often anyway uh we're going back to sort of the frugal stuff like i one of the answers that came into my head is like i do what i do the money do with the, the infinite money i would just do what i do now and put it in like a a safe secure place or whatnot it's like but i have infinite money what am i doing this for um <laughs> it's like it's a hypothetical error and it's not real life um but Four Rivers is – so one, Four Rivers has a religious following pretty much. Um, I didn't even know what they were, but I was seeing their stickers like years ago because it's that dash with like like a four with like the center beam of the writing also having the R on the other side. So I was seeing that logo in high school back like in 08 or whatever. So they have a religious following, and part of what informs that is that it is a relig- it is a Christian original like business like Chick-fil-A is. They're closed on Sundays. Oh, right. so there's and what I sort of enjoy seeing is that there, part of what I think all the evil stuff of Chick-fil-A aside is that part of what makes certain things are like really good is having that that faith that at least the Christian faith produces out of people that has them like believe in believe even more than most entrepreneurs like what they're going to do. And so yeah. they, and, and not to mention they have their churches to like congregate in and help like the initial boost of everything. Um, it's not, yeah, the capital, it's not just about the capitalism, it's also about, like, the capital used for something else. Yeah, and, the, well, in the community that allows the initial push of, of the product, yeah. of the business, and so on, and then, so that's a really good thing 
Um, cause you know, at least they're not selling babies on spikes. Um, that's an Eddie Izzard reference for those that aren't paying attention. Um, he's, he's a British comic that I, I've loved his dress to kill special since fucking ever dude. Um, but yeah, so for, but four rivers is good for like sort of two reasons. So there's a few things that I would really like highlight about them. Um, one, they're hyper successful in terms of how their branding and stuff has permeated. The food is good. Um, because you walk in, you're immediately like in a cafeteria line. Because you're going to grab oh, a tray, you're going to see them be cutting brisket like right there. They're going to have their regular like like a subway sort of station thing. But you're p- telling, you, know, you have the whole chalkboard menu up there, and they've got they've got bread pudding, they've got all these southern traditional barbecue things like bread pudding, corn on the cob, pulled pork, brisket, so on and so forth. So you 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 have that whole three tiers of like back and forth. Not to mention like the menus outside because they would have lines outside. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, so they were running, running ship. Um, and when I say they have a religious following, like it's insane. And so you get there, you run through from the start piece left to right. You pick out what you want off of the board and they'll just make your platter right there. You get to the end of the line, you pay for your food and you go into this other cafeteria like setting with all of these like nice clean wood benches and stuff. And then they have a dessert bar, this little dessert kiosk thing down the way where you can get like, slices of cake like this big and they would have just the kind of flavors that you wish the local like grocery store knew about because like one of them that they had was like this orange creamsicle cake so it's like a three-tier big ass thing of cake and all and it had a bunch of cream orange creamsicle like um morsels like like hershey morsels uh, you'll know what i'm talking about but like the, the little yeah. hershey kisses that you would put inside of um cookies or whatnot for for the people at home because i i know this because i fucking put the stuff on the shelf at in retail for a long time but it would be like a layer of icing and then all those morsels just coating the outside of it so it was just just mint um so it just had like that it had that roughness in its branding and in its vibe to be like that down home country thing but it originated in winter park florida which is like one of the ritzy sides of town you know like like we have a we we have a park ave area where there's like a park and there's all these like bougie businesses and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that is Four Rivers. So if you ever make it down or your brother when your brother makes it down, like yeah, Four Rivers and Winter Park is the original location, I believe, on where it started, and it's a good experience. It's a good experience, especially if you like barbecue. Thanks. Um, I think that's all the questions I have right now. That's good. We can sort of, well, we got a little bit of time left. I mean, we can just pivot, pivot anywhere we kind of wanted from here. Um, like, I guess sort of a forward thinking thing, because you have other comedy things that you want to do. Have you tried improv work? Because I know Nami would be a very good, he loves, he loves yeah. the art and he loves teaching it. So he has it on Saturdays at 2 p.m. at a. The Bistro? Marco Bistro. Yeah, the Bistro. Yeah. yeah. I've been a few times. I'm very inconsistent. Um, it is a weird hour on a Saturday, um, but it's just what they can get. Um, improv is harder for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite game is like scenes from a hat or just like, uh, yeah, scenes from a hat where it's like, here's a setup. Like where are Kamikaze's last thought? Kamikaze's pilot's last thought. It's like, I wasn't supposed to come into work today. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> like the one-liners, <laughs> yeah. I like. 
Yeah, like you, you have that Rodney Dangerfield kind of shit going on for just those one liners yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So does that so does improv attract you for the challenge of it or or is it just like challenging and you're kind of like it's there? Especially because it's, it's... a good challenge. It definitely helps you like stretch yourself. Mm-hmm. Um and just being quicker on your feet and more comfortable with discomfort. Right. And like improv it's more about staying true to the scene yeah but stand-up is like you're always trying to be funny yeah and uh improv it's like it's okay if you're not funny yeah and it's like that's just part of the scene yeah um it's just a very different vibe i remember one of the things my because i took two levels of the sac improv classes here in orlando uh, with my wife uh, years ago one of the things that they kind of said was that the funny will happen of its own accord. You playing out the scene genuinely per the improv guidelines will allow it to be dramatic, allow it to be funny, allow it to be sort of genuine, and the funny will just occur. Like you don't have to, you don't have to make it happen like sort of like how you have to do with, um, with stand-up yeah. or with more written work and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, let me think about this. Cool. Um, so do you have anything you wanted to plug um, before we get on out of here? Socials. You got your YouTube channel, the Dennis McManus YouTube channel, where you're to catch a missionary. Uh, yeah. It's so like it uh, Dennis McManus comedy on Instagram. But I'm like, I don't ever post, so it feels weird for me to plug either of those. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the Dennis McManus Productions, or Mr. McManus. I don't remember what I have it as. I, it was, Catch it was, a Missionary. It was, yeah, it's Dennis McManus um, for the To Catch a Missionary. It's the one video that's on this channel. Yeah, and it's like, I hope to plan another by the latest end of January. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like they're very esoteric. Right. And I want to make a few more. Just like, my original thing was shit posting on Reddit, and I kind of want to go back to that like uh right. making like shit posts for like brands right um like a t-shirt for mcdonald's that's like mcdonald's employees don't smile they grimace something like that right. like the grimace shake it feels like you're kind of going back to like this visual art style of comedy yeah. and stuff like i feel like you have a you like because i always thought that you were funny and it was very clear that you were like writing and really working through like a notebook of of jokes on stage but between the baking <laughs> your well in your original comedy line of just being on reddit doing like shit posts which is effectively it's just a visual media so it just sounds like you're yeah. gravitating back to like a visual media form of comedy and everything yeah um and just as it's like for my actual stand-up i'm trying to do stories from life Mm-hmm. But like, I have interesting stories, but it's like there's no point. It's just like that's just something that happened to me, uh, or like it's hard to make it funny. It's like I know a lot of the comedians like they have a somewhat true story and embellish it, yeah, and make it better. But like I'm just having a hard time for that transition. Right. Like, do you feel like uh, your stories have to like make a point or like give a moral or something like that? Like, what do you feel like is something that you feel you have to do with your stories outside of trying to make them funny. Yeah. It's like, I have to make them funny for an audience, a broad audience. And it's like, 
one-on-one they'd be funny but like to a random group of people it's like uh okay kid uh that's interesting i don't know what to do with that either um i'd like to see how that progresses honestly because i feel like just listening to a bunch of pros talk about it um clearly the pros talking about it not me talking about it is that there's something about telling like your genuine story and framing it out so that you can tell it as true as it can be and so a general audience will understand it um yes kind of going back to like the the little bit of help that i gave to chuck on one of his jokes um that i don't know i it, it's reminding me of just how much like learning how to be a good storyteller um sort of informs like can you tell the story like good and then can you find opportunities i guess to punch it up and make yep. it funny like either by comparison by metaphor by um something some some of those mechanics that are out there for in, inside of the form the art form yeah um, um i'm very interested to see you progress inside of that because i feel like you're departing from like the one-liners into trying. into the more story story type of comedy and that feels like it's an uncomfortable challenge for you it is um Forward Jr., Sam Morell, and Taylor Tomlinson mm-hmm. all do, like, really good jobs of, like, banger after banger or, like, keeping yeah. it tight yeah. and joke after joke instead of, like, long setup, punchline, long setup. It's just, like, they have a long setup, but they have multiple jokes inside of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's well, like, that is impressive. Yeah, for sure. No, Sam Morell I mean, is one, one of my favorites. Sam Morell is one of my favorite. Yeah. I love like, his dry shit. Like... I he's my favorite comedian because of like how much I relate and I'm like if I was more serious or like and got better I feel like I'd be more most like him of all the comedians right yeah 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 I could I could see exactly what you're talking about there yeah awesome well so, thank you for coming on thank you for thanks enter- for having me enter- entertaining this for two hours and no um, thanks for the kind words and I will I will see you around on the internet. And let's go get out of here.